Welcome to Tech Driven Business. Having clients succeed with any IT implementation is something I'm extremely passionate about. In this series of episodes, I talk with Don Whittington and James Kendrick about their success with innovative projects as early adopters. I work with both of them and know that it takes a lot of focus, commitment, and teamwork to make it happen. Don is a CIO that has seen it all, and James Kendrick is a consultant who gets to make it happen. I'm excited to share their wealth of knowledge with all of you. They share insights that will help you with your next IT implementation, no matter what the size is of your business or project. Even though we are all in the SAP space, I'm confident that today's episode will resonate with all of us working on technology-driven business projects. Welcome, Don and James. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Mr. Sincere. It's a pleasure to be here with you and Don today. Hi, Mr. Sincere. This is... Uh... Grateful for the opportunity to share the experiences of CIO uh, over over the years, some of which we shared with you. Uh, you, you may recall that uh, I was a CIO for a multi-billion dollar company with a global basis. And we had many successful innovation IT upper, uh, initiatives over the uh, over the years. And also, as you know, I've retired three years ago. I'm enjoying retirement immensely. And uh, but I appreciate the opportunity to give back a bit at the IT industry that provided a fantastic career. Uh, I guess maybe that's appropriate in, uh, in this uh, holiday season. Absolutely, Don. And I remember the days, you know, I had the pleasure of working with you in the past and have firsthand experience of your visionary style. Thanks for coming out of retirement and sharing your experiences with our listeners today. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. I, I hope it proves valuable. You know, as I alluded to, the uh, I was really blessed with opportunities to lead uh, IT initiatives that had a real business impact. And the last uh, 20 years of, of my career was with a very innovative company that embraced technology as a critical resource for the business. Yeah, so it really, it, it was a fantastic experience to have the uh, owners of the business to really value what IT was doing and felt IT was going to make a big difference. That made a big difference for me, and I think uh, is what we'll uh, be talking a little bit about today. So in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about our move to the cloud. And that was only one of the initiatives that uh, I'll be talking about, and, uh, but it was an important one, and, uh, and, and it was really a bit of a milestone. The, uh, we were the first company in the world that moved all of our data centers, run, including running SAP, to the cloud. And the interesting part of that was that we made this move in 2010 and uh, uh, with a startup company called VirtuStream. And, and yep, I did say that right. It was 2010, 10 years ago. So no data centers running SAP, et cetera. And it was very novel and new. And there were risks and there were tremendous rewards. We were also one of the first companies in the world then running with SAP with our success based on the cloud that we were able to <clears throat> implement SAP suite on HANA. So we were the first company, SAP business, to run uh, uh, on SAP's HANA. And, uh, and we had several other firsts with move related to the cloud. However, the key thing is when they were firsts, uh, we're not looking for a hero badge here at all, because each of these provided a competitive business advantage, a measurable competitive business advantage. And that's what I think IT needs to focus on. So even though our, our focus today is on moving to the cloud, our the discussion should be relevant to any IT innovative initiative. And uh, so it's 
going to be exciting. Uh, I think for IT in the future, uh, it's a great time to be in IT. There's a lot of uh, a lot of neat things out there. Absolutely, Don. So, James, you've been the person leading the implementation. So, what have you seen and experienced from your perspective? Yeah, uh, totally. I really agree. It's really an exciting time. And uh, let me just set the stage for a little bit on uh, to set up the details that uh, made us successful. Uh, first of all, when you think about how exciting of a time it is, when you hear Andy Jesse at a- AWS say it's really revolutionary. And from a business point of view, McKinsey's global managing partner puts acceleration of digital and innovation at the top of his list of eight forces that are going to shape the future. So consequently, uh, most companies are in some stage of taking advantage of the technology, moving to the cloud, implementing software as a service, establishing cloud first strategy and adopting cloud native innovations. However, according to most studies, McKinsey, BCG, Accenture, et cetera, indicate that many companies are really struggling and appear stuck to get beyond some elastic scaling, islands of better user experience and cost savings. We hope to share today some practices that really helped us and we believe will help you move faster to 100% cloud solutions and become more innovative using cloud capabilities. That is really interesting, James. Uh, so, Don, what were the cornerstones of your success as a CIO? You know, that is really amazing, 100%, you know. Um, so, can you share that, you know, how that helped the business transformation and as a company move forward? Well, the, uh, it's an interesting question because there's a myriad of technical items that you have to be worried about in a technology uh, innovation initiative. And it's key to point out that innovative means you're probably first or a very early adopter. And that's what scares a lot of people. I think it, it, it worries the IT guys and it also worries the business. And that's the important part is you've got to always focus on, on the business. So reflecting back on my experience, I believe that the success of the initiatives from a strategic standpoint. So for the techies out there, we can talk about the technology items later. Uh, but for right now, I really want to focus on four large-scale baseline action items that a CIO can take. These are real things that the CIO and his team, but really this focused on the CIO, have to uh, pay attention to in order to be successful in the long term. The first focus was on creating a culture of where IT is part of the business rather than simply aligned with the business. And this is this is something I fought my entire career was, the, well, what's the difference? And the key thing is that IT isn't aligned and therefore has to work, you know, in, in, uh, in a master-slave relationship with the business. Uh, we're actually working together. So if we take about not the big C culture, not, you know, the, where you can't adapt to it. This is true where you actually sit down with the other lines of business, operations, finance, supply chain, uh, HR, all of them working collaboratively. And uh, the best example that I like to give is you don't hear people talking about, well, finance needs to align with the business or HR needs to align with the business or operations needs to align with the business. You know, they, they're just part of the business. And that is what you need to change. Absolutely. I think that and that is an interesting uh, uh, view of the world. Can you please elaborate on that, Don, and, and uh, help the listeners understand what that really means? Sure. I think. You know, culture change is absolutely critical. 
and 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 it's very difficult. But when you're doing something innovative, you can't do it uh, can't do it alone, including the cloud. You have to have significant and measurable success criteria. So it's important that the executive leadership understands what the, that success criteria is and that there's a risk reward in business terms. So you can't be certain you're doing something innovative. It hasn't been done before. And so they have to buy in. And that's, that's just not easy. So let me, maybe this helps. If your CIO is, is using the business plan and the business objectives as the basis for IT planning, which is what you typically hear CIOs do, you know, they might get alignment. However, if your CIO is working with the other C-level executives to develop the business plan, develop it, not align with it, develop the business plan and the business objectives, then IT is part of the business. It's subtle, but hugely important and an obvious difference if you can achieve it. James, what do you think from your perspective? Yeah, I, I just, I totally agree. It's it's fundamental. And I'd make two points um, kind of looking at how it takes shape on the ground uh, and where the where IT is part of the business really is important. And I'm going to use the global supply chain work we did as an example. First of all, innovation itself require innovation itself requires business and IT partnership and agile working relationships. For example, CIO Don, the VP of Global Supply Chain, drive the digital supply chain strategy and architecture. Next, the solution sponsors, owners, and architects drive things like distribution network optimization, SaaS solutions for demand planning, transportation management, and very importantly, key performance me- uh, metrics. And, and the sort of a third piece to that is the global supply chain third-party expert should play a role of innovation catalyst, driving identification of new innovative global supply chain practices. Secondly, on the ground, I'd make the point that innovation implementation is simply hard work. Without the culture of business and technology partnership, the will to persist, really the will to persist through tough times that could have killed the, the, the effort altogether or just lost momentum to be the best, which in my view is even worse. A couple of big challenges I would uh, bring to, uh, bring, that come to mind. Uh, getting everyone on board with the digital strategy after years of little change, putting the right agile digital skills in place, moving from SAP and Excel to uh, the uh, from moving from uh, standard SAP Excel supported practices to new modern technologies, making HANA cloud platform integrations work. Be careful with product promises. They don't always behave the way they're uh, purported to. Uh, data architecture and cleansing, for example, live views versus near live views is important. And process and KPI adoption driven by executive dashboards are critical. Uh, the global supply chain uh, group has been really successful and uh, and uh, saved millions of dollars and um, and very importantly very uh, and very importantly measured by forecast accuracy, inventory days on hand, production attainment, and on time and in full delivery, and more. Uh, and and I think very interestingly, the uh, the global supply chain group is very agile and global on a global scale and continues innovations 
that are integrated and deployed on a regular basis. And today, the innovation is driven by a really fun and challenging idea called the Dragon's Den team. It's the UK version of Shark Tank that evaluates and supports the new, be the best new innovations. Hey, James, that's interesting that you uh, that you say that because I think the key thing to any of these innovative technology things is going to be adding real business value. So in your case, you were talking about the global supply chain with measurable results. And that, that I think is what is key, that it's always measurable. So even in the move to the cloud, one of the success criteria was lower cost of infrastructure. And that's something I could commit to and, uh, and did. And, you know, we were going to save 25% off the infrastructure computing cost, and we actually hit 30%. We set similar items for other lines of business, and they, or they would set their own, and that's what they would measure against. Now, we didn't hit a home run every time. And in fact, you know, we struck out on occasion on individual success criteria. So that's why it's important not to have just one, but, uh, but many of them. So it's, it's, it's really interesting, James, to hear that counterpart to the guy that's setting the vision. I used to joke with my staff about, you know, I get to talk about it. They actually have to do it. So uh, Mustin Sierra and James both uh, know what that is. And uh, at least now we can uh, joke about it. It was tough, but, but it seemed to be very rewarding to, uh, to, the, to the folks. But let, me, let me go on. Let me get to the, the second focus on this then. And actually a bit of a corollary is the CIO has to act as the enterprise architect. Now, for the technical guys out there, I'm not talking about the, the, the role. I'm saying you really have to be the architect in here and set that with the other lines of business. And I think only the CIO can do it. He's the one with the relationships with his peers, et cetera. So he has, in that, in that role, you need to commit to determine, I believe this is what's right. Now you have input from your staff, industry, you know, your, your, your uh, business intelligence and in, in the soft business intelligence, all those skills. But you've got to be able to put it back and focus on a high-level business implications and put it in business terms. And uh, so this is going to impact the businesses. It's going to impact your organizations and the change management. And change management, often people don't understand. Let, let me talk about the change management that I think is, is most critical is that when you can get the other line of business executives, so if you can get the CFO and the uh, HR chief and the global supply chain uh, senior vice president, you push back on their own staff saying this is the right thing to do in the right cases. You need to be able to push the other way and, and, and be collaborative. But this is a time when these guys got to take their own people telling them, I'm not sure we should be doing this. I'm not sure we want the change. They need to have the confidence in, in the CIO as the enterprise architect and the other line of business to make sure they're doing the right thing and to encourage their staff to make this successful. And that also goes into the board level. You have to be able to stand up at the board meeting and have the rest of the team stand with you. And that, I think, is something that uh, I had the luxury and the pleasure of serving in that, in that capacity. And <clears throat> the last thing I, meant, I mentioned this when I was talking about James was the success criteria. When they say, we're going to do this, and why are we doing this? We would get, say, this is why, with these items to make that happen. And maybe in a future podcast, listeners here, we can talk about some of the ones where the business impact wasn't quite there. However, what, what happens in innovation initiatives, sometimes you get benefits that you weren't expecting, right? It just, well, now that we had the cloud, we said, wow, we could do this, this, and this, and you could not have anticipated it until you were actually in the new state. So that's, a, that's for a future podcast, though. 
And uh, and again, I mean, to make sure this is the enterprise architect as the role, not the title, because you may have an enterprise architect, one or more reporting to you, but you've got to play that role as a CIO. That was great, Don. Uh, so James, what, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I believe one thing that Don mentioned, which really stuck with me is the the enterprise architect as a role versus a title. So that's really uh, uh, different than a lot, a lot of folks think from an angle of a title and, and, and treat it like that. So from your perspective, what do you, what, what do you think of this conversation that Don is having about the second point? Yeah. Yeah. I just couldn't agree more. And it, and it's truly, it's even more monumental in this digital age than it has been in the past. And from working, you know, working with Don and I've also worked with enterprise architects and other corporations um, and it's clear, it's just totally clear that the enterprise architect must have executive committee presence. And, and it's, like I said, it's a, it's a role, not necessarily a title, but that role at the executive level is critical to success. Uh, and with that cloud, as Don says, they set the course and clear the path for, for digital um, enterprise uh, uh, investments. And, and as we've been talking about with innovation, they are key innovators of the future in that role. So Don played that role extraordinarily well at, in our in our experience together. And you know, as Don said, you know, and, and there may have multiple enterprise architects in with a title like that. But one of the things you got to be careful about, even at, even at that level, is what you see oftentimes, and I've seen this, I've seen it many times, you see passive words around enterprise architecture like enabled business vision, adaptive to disruption, define principles, create architectures, manage process models. And the responsibilities sound often like discipline and governance. Now, don't get me wrong, because discipline and governance are good, uh, just incomplete. And oftentimes they can be actually onerous versus truly part of the business and proactive. And so second point I would make is, is that, uh, as Don mentioned, the enterprise architect sets the direction of the architecture and mediates solution decisions. And that requires a lot of input from enterprise architects, integration architects, solution architects, et cetera. But in the end, it is that enterprise role to make sure that it all gets put together and goes in the right direction. My role often was to work with project teams to influence decisions and make sure things go in line with the enterprise architecture. And the way that the, the keys to our, uh, to our enterprise uh, direction were, were, uh, were these four points I'd make. First, we converged all of our global business all of our global businesses and acquisitions to one core processing engine, SAPS for HANA. Then we drove systems of engagement and intelligence to SAP as a first choice, but where SAP did not have a solution or was weak, then we chose a SaaS application that we could integrate, which adds to complexity. And so we were very careful about the making those decisions. And uh, we transformed the business intelligence and business functions to a more modern data and analytics driven function, which was critical. And I'd make the last point that uh, now, and even more so with innovative tools from AWS and Google and Azure and startups that increase value and complexity, a smarter and smarter enterprise architecture function is critical, essential.
What a great conversation. Um, I know, Don, you had mentioned you had four points, uh, but we are at the end of our time today. I would love to continue this discussion uh, in our next episode. So thank you very much, James and Don, and for joining me today. And we will um, continue with our conversation next time. Don and James shared a lot of valuable takeaways today. For all of us, the main takeaways are that an innovative organization must have a company culture where IT is part of the business. More importantly, the management team, or in Don's case, the CIO should be the enterprise architect from a business perspective. Stay tuned for our next episode where we will continue to hear about Don's secret to success and James' thoughts on what it means from a doing perspective.